Hey. Hey, man. What's up? I hear myself echoing. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, that's weird. Yeah. (laughs) Okay. How is that happening? I'm not sure. Uh, Oh, now it went away. That's weird. Yeah. Maybe you were echoing through Uvu somehow. Certainly possible. Yeah. Shit, weird shit happens sometimes, yeah. Uvu has has its own set of problems. (laughs) It does. It does. First off, it's full of eggs. (laughs) (laughs) I just took a drink of water and you made water come through my nose. (laughs) It's full of eggs. It's, my God, it's full of eggs. (laughs) (laughs) The egg is the lube. That's right. Yes. Uh, all these years later, I still can't remember the quote. We must... We are all eggs. We must we break must... the shell and become the yolk. The, the yolk, yolk is, the, is lube. the lube. Right. That's yeah. it. You got it. <laughs> yeah. It was it was tickling around in the recesses of your mind. It was somewhere in there. Yes, well, indeed. Absolutely. So, hey, where, where you see the two screens, do you see the slippery slope picture? I do. Okay. Yeah. It's funny. I don't see it on mine. I see your little Ovu symbol. Yeah. I was tr- I was trying to upload a picture to it, and it keeps giving me an error. Hmm. Maybe I have hmm. to. Let me upload one easily. Yeah, I know. That's weird. Weird. Yeah. Uh, I can't do it while we're online. Yeah, earlier, I was just trying to upload a picture of me dressed as a scary Robert Blake in Lost Highway, and... Uh, where, where'd that picture come from? From Halloween at John Christensen's way back when. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah, scared the hell out of people. I guess I, I think I remember I was there, or I've seen you dress like that, but I don't think I realized that that was what you were going for. Oh, really? Oh. Yeah. Well, it's very likely. I guess I just thought you were trying to be a vampire or something. I don't know what I thought. Oh, okay. I was probably so drunk I wasn't thinking much. Yes. In the East, the Far East, when a man is sentenced to death. And I don't remember the rest of the quote. (laughs) (laughs) I don't either. It like ends with never knowing when someone will come up behind him and put a bullet in his head. Mm, Wow. Yeah, some crazy... Yeah, some some, crazy effed up shit, man. Yeah, it was something about, you know, in the Far East when somebody yeah, is sentenced to death, they're just set free, but with the knowledge that at some point in time in the future, somebody's going to come and execute them, but they don't know the time, so it's a special kind of torture. Ah. Yeah. And who says this? Robert Blake's character in Lost Highway. Is it when he's on the phone or? I can't remember. Do you remember? It might have been when he was at the party. Remember when he showed up at the party? Uh, Yeah. He's at the party and. Right. When he does the whole, um, in fact, I'm at your house right now. Yeah. And a thing. Yeah. I'm just, yeah, I'm not sure if it's at the party or if he does it over the phone. It's just. It'd been I don't too remember long. it at the party. Maybe yeah. it's at oh, when he's on the phone towards the end, and and he's on the phone, and and it's um like Robert Loggia mm-hmm. talking to talking to um Balthazar Getty, yeah, and they know he's fucking Patricia Arquette, right? And that because they're they say mildly, not mildly, but they say vague, threatening things. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's when it was. I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. 
Yeah. Like I said, I've I haven't seen Lost Highway in such a long time. I need to see it again because it's such yeah. a, it's such a good movie. But it's also so dense in parts that you're like, oh, I don't know what's going on, man. Yeah. Whoa, I, I, <laughs> There's a lot. There's yeah. a lot to it. Yeah. That movie needs an, an explanatory intermission. <laughs> <laughs> what a what? great name for a band. <laughs> yes. Explanatory intermission. I love it. Right. And David Lynch comes out. Well, you see what's going on here. No. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> All right. Yeah. One of those things. So, so you got me to purchase the history of Twin Peaks, a novel by Mark Frost. Yes. So, yeah. You're, you're, Have you started it? Yeah, I've started. It. I've I've only gotten past the part where they're talking about uh, Meriwether uh, Lewis. I'm not much further than that. Um, and his letters to uh, I guess Thomas Jefferson and talking about yeah. meeting the Indian chief and the Indian chief gives him this owl ring, which whoa. Right, that's, that's some but did you also shit, get that at the beginning they start talking about that this is the dossier that was given to a FBI agent? Okay, and that FBI agent's name is TP. Right, and that's Tammy Preston, I guess. Oh, is that who that is? I guess so. I mean, that's the only TP I can think of because you know that's when Ike the Spike or Minvin, as we like to call him. <laughs> left a, left a voice message. He said, "This message is for TP." Uh, I think no, didn't he? he didn't say TP. No, he said JT. Yes, JT. JT. Isn't there something about a JT in the in the beginning of? Maybe it's not. Well, God damn it. <laughs> okay, we'll, we'll have to research it and. Uh... I need to go get my copy of the book because I am keeping notes as I go. Oh, wow. Damn. Because there's some really interesting stuff in there. And, you know, the like you were saying, the first, oh, I don't know, maybe 10 pages or so is about Meriwether Lewis and the Lewis and Clark expedition. Right. And I was like, and I don't know how much of that is real. Like, you've gotten to the part where Lewis gets killed killed or supposedly commit suicide or whatever have you got to that part yet uh i think so (laughs) it's just it's just a really interesting story i was like damn this would make a great movie why isn't there a a movie about meriwether lewis this is fascinating well i think there have been some documentaries and that he was kind of a troubled soul and yeah that he actually did i think at some point you know, well after his explorations and stuff, uh, commits suicide, I believe. Well, I'm sorry, what'd you say? I believe. Oh, yeah. That's one of the things they get to in the book, and if I'm if I'm spoiling something for you, I'm sorry, but no. they talk about how okay. there's some other guy, and he wrote a letter, mm-hmm. and he was there when Lewis died, and he wrote a letter, but it was like several years later, saying that Meriwether Lewis had committed suicide, and... A lot of research has led them to believe that Meriwether Lewis was actually assassinated by two separate people. Oh shit! And so, <laughs> okay, yeah, it's yeah, that's and, and, that's news to me. Then, all right, yeah, that was yeah. A sorry, sorry if I'm God spoiling damn it. things. No, yes, now, now, all of Twin Peaks has been ruined for me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm just gonna stop watching the goddamn show. You ruined everything. <laughs> <laughs> But it's a really, I mean, you know, I 
it was like it's called the history of twin peaks and it starts and it's like uh meriwether uh, with the lewis and clark expedition which i don't even know when that was exactly in the 1800s at some point and i'm like jesus yeah. christ early this is going back a long way yeah no yeah shit. and uh you know in his journal or whatever yeah he specifically mentions finding these you know these two mountains and this this uh, river and waterfall so obviously you know he's in the twin peaks area before it was called Twin Peaks, obviously. Right. So, And it, there's something where he's gone for three days and supposedly has some kind of crazy experience that's either a, a drug, like some sort of hallucinogenic drug that the Native Americans gave him, or uh-huh. he's somewhere where his mind gets altered, possibly like because he's in a, you know, near the lodge or something. Yeah, so, hmm. I look it's forward, really interesting. Yeah, I look forward to reading even more. And since it's written by Mark Frost, it's it's definitely part of the canon, man. This is not just some bullshit fan fiction. This is from the horse's mouth. Right, exactly, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. It's really interesting because he goes back a long way. It starts with Lewis and Clark, and then there's a the next section's about a guy named Chief Joseph, who was a, one of the Nez Pierce chiefs. And maybe one of the last well-known ones. Nez and so, Perce. At, hmm? Nez Perce. Nez Perce, whatever. <laughs> and uh, I'm from Iowa where we say Nez Pierce. Okay. And uh, yeah. I don't know, I, you know, it's probably from- one of those things where I read it and never heard anyone say it out loud for a long time. And so yeah. I, I I already had it established in my brain as Nez Pierce. Well, yeah. And I'm from Texas. By the t- and I said Nez per se, so it's okay. <laughs> By the time I heard somebody pronounce it correctly, I'd probably already had it ingrained in my head as ne- Nez Pierce. But of course. Of anyway. Course. Yeah. Um, so he gets into some stuff about the Nez Pierce, which, you know, <laughs> certainly relates to the the series in, in at least in the fact that Hawk is, is Nez Pierce, apparently, or Nez Pierce, right. apparently, mm-hmm. and... And, you know, the, the the clue was it would have something to do with his heritage at one point. And right. so, yeah, exactly. So hmm. those things are interesting. Yeah, I, I look forward to uh, delving more into the book. Yeah. yeah. Um. Hey, are we just going to on this episode? Are we just going to recap part 10? I guess so. You know, that was our that was our plan, right? Re- recap with commentary. Yes, I guess that yeah. was our plan. And then uh and then maybe one day soon we can do a re- an episode of what the show used to be. Well, yeah, maybe more yeah. Twin Peaks took over our lives, right? Maybe <laughs> later this week, possibly after I possibly. get this one up. Okay, if you're up for it, I'm up for it. Okay, yeah, cool. The other thing I wanted to mention that I that I that, well, there's two things, but one of them we'll get to in the body of the show. But okay, uh, something I read online between shows this week that I hadn't heard before okay. was that apparently Lynch wanted Robert Forrester to play Harry Truman in the original series and oh. he wasn't available for for whatever reason and so that's why Michael Ontkin got the job wow. but okay. I didn't I had never heard that before well that's really cool so I mean he comes by this role as the other Sheriff Truman very honestly then. Yes, he was, he yeah. Was like, he was first so, choice, man. Come on, yeah. Yeah, right. I thought that was really cool. And, I, you know, I had, I'm i sure I was, I'm sure I had seen Robert Forster in some things on TV or whatever, but I really didn't uh-huh. know who he was until Tarantino cast him in, <laughs> right. I guess it was Jackie Brown. 
which I love that Jackie movie. Brown. Yes, absolutely. He was oh, he was great in that. Yeah, loved him. Amazing, and, and not to mention Pat and Greer. Wow, and the two of them together was dynamite. Yeah, um, that I loved it. It was like a it was it was a wonderful romance they had oh, of yeah. sorts. <laughs> That's Jackie Brown. Still, well, Tarantino's last two movies have been amazing. Um, but Jackie Brown still is, I want to say it's my favorite. I don't know. I really loved freaking, I've loved everything he's done. So it's hard to pick a favorite. Yeah, that's true. But yeah, that's, that's definitely, I mean, you could tell that that was uh, a labor of love for him because he liked, and I hate to use the term blaxploitation, uh, films. And that one's definitely an homage to to those for sure. And, um, yeah, so yeah, and I, he I, did it well. So oh, absolutely. you know, it's a yeah. it's a great movie on its own, and um, yeah. even if it's not homage, it wasn't homage, which it is. But mm-hmm. you know, it's still a it's a great story, great acting, great characters. I just really love that movie. Anyway, that's the my point was that's the first place I ever saw Robert Forster and knew who he was. Yeah, and he was great in that, and so to see him in Peaks. Mm-hmm. Uh, is great too, and then to know that well, that was kind of his role to begin with. I still am holding out hope that Michael Ankeen will show up at some point maybe. as a surprise, but I doubt that's going to happen. No, maybe at the very end. I don't know. Maybe he gets well and shows up. Hey, I'm here. Well, we've back already solved everything, so fuck you. Go back to bed. Uh- <laughs> yeah, yeah. So speaking of Robert Forrester, again, uh, he was recently on an episode of this new uh, series called I'm Dying Up Here about uh, stand-up comedians in the late 70s. And uh, Oh, yeah, I didn't know it was set in the late 70s. I've, I've heard a little, I've like seen a little bit about it, but I really haven't, I've just heard that there's a series and that it's called that really is all yeah. I knew. And he was in there. He he was on, only on for one episode as kind of a playing the the father of you know one of the comedians who uh, who really disapproved of uh, the line of work his son decided to go in. So it wasn't a very three dimensional character for Robert Forrester to be playing. But it's just good to see that he's getting a lot of you know work here, there, and everywhere on some good series. Right? Yeah, he was on this. You know, there's this show that Tim Allen had for a few years called Last Man Standing, mm-hmm. um, and he actually played um, Tim Allen's dad, who owned a pot dispensary. Oh, okay. Yeah, you know, because uh-huh. it's edgy, and because uh, <laughs> it's edgy. Yeah. Okay. And. <laughs> he didn't really get to do a lot on that show either, a little bit, but it's just yeah. good to see him, you know. Right. You see him, yeah. I mean, good it's thing. good It's good to see a, a fine actor, you know, getting work all over the place. Absolutely, you yeah. Know. Yeah, I'd like to know, you know, I haven't really seen a lot of Robert Forrester's earlier work. I would love to see him in something. Mm-hmm. He just seems like Michael, like, like Michael Parks. He's one of those guys you hear about and know, but you really, you don't see him on tv even in old movies or anything that yeah, gets shown you know he, i don't know if he was ever you know a big time leading man ever right um, um, maybe i've seen him in stuff when he was younger and didn't even recognize him i mean that's certainly possible could be but i think he was always kind of a supporting character more than right. like the lead but I, right. could, I could be completely wrong there's probably somebody out there going what are you talking about? He was in, you know, uh, he was in that that gangster movie or that that war movie, and he played the that western, what, right? Or that yeah. western, you know, who knows? So yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll I'm do trying a little to research guy, before. Yeah, uh, next. the guy that play, he's in Buffalo '66. He plays Vincent Gallo's dad, 
and oh. he's kind of a Ben Gazzara. Oh yeah. Oh my god. Kind of like Ben Gazzara, but I've you know Ben Gazzara I've seen in older movies. I've seen him when he right. was younger. He was amazing. Yeah, and, but and we know that Ben Gazzara has had the lead in quite a few movies in his day. Right. But yeah. I didn't really see him until he was in. I think he was in. Uh, he was in one one of those movies by Todd Salons, either Happiness or yeah. one of the other ones. Of course, and he it was like yeah. Of course, he was in Big Lebowski also. Oh, was he? No, yeah. I don't even remember that. Remember who's He's, he? He's he's the guy who who treats th- uh, things like women or treats objects like women. Uh, the the porn king, uh, God Jackie Treehorn. Oh, I remember that name now. I don't yeah. remember. Remember he dr- I just saw- he drugs the dude's uh, drink. Is that the one where they and then they wrap him up in like an area rug? No, that's another. That's a that's a different scene. Oh, he's, okay. He like goes over to Jackie, Jackie Treehorn's house, which is right on the beach, and uh, he asks for one of his classic white Russians, and Jackie Treehorn gives him one. I, I think, yeah, like Jackie Treehorn goes to the phone, he writes some note down, then he rips the page off, and while Jackie Treehorn's gone, uh, the dude walks over there and then takes a pencil and, and rubs across the page to see what he wrote down on the page, and then... Right. When Jackie Treehorn comes that. back with his drink, they're talking about something, and I can't even remember, but then eventually he realizes his drink has been drugged, and then I think he wakes up in the middle of middle of the highway or something after he's been Is that drugged. when he has the uh, the dream and the, and the song just came by to see what condition my condition's in uh, plays? Y- Yes, probably so. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And okay. then, and then he. You know, wakes I saw up Big Lebowski on the highway within the last two years. I don't really remember. It's not my favorite. <laughs> okay, I, I don't even really like wow. it that much. Wow. We're, and I know that's sacrilege. I know twenty people just stopped listening to the podcast. I'm sorry. I just, I just don't yeah. think much of that. I love the Coen Brothers. I think they're amazing. Uh-huh. But I've never gotten what the big hoo ha on the Big Lebowski is. I don't. I don't get what people like about it. I think it's one of their well, lesser films. Very likely. I mean, what I like about The Big Lebowski, it's really kind of a, a mystery story. And the dude is kind of like the detective, even though he's not really a detective. But it, it, it plays like a, a detective story you know, with, with the most bumbling detective in the history of the world. Uh, okay. Very much like a like a, a Dashiell Hammett uh, novel with uh, whoever that uh, old school detective was that uh, right. I can't even Mickey remember. Mickey Spillane Mick- or, or someone like that. Uh, yeah, that, 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 that same vein. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just like the, just like that. I don't know. Yeah, I I think you know. I don't know. It's very weird. It's you know, like I I think we've talked about before. The first time I saw Fargo the movie, uh-huh. I didn't really like it that much. I didn't think it was that great. And and the main reason was I, I wanted it to be another Barton Fink, and it was completely different. Oh, <laughs> that's right. Yeah. See, if your expectations are one thing and they're not met, of course you're going to be disappointed. It's kind of yeah. Like, it's like like I had mentioned before when when I first saw Fire Walk with Me at the theater, you know, twenty five years ago. I expected right. it to be just like the series, and because it wasn't, I was disappointed with it. And it wasn't until seeing it much later that I really right liked it a I lot mean that, and appreciated it for what it was. You know, I mean that's the same with Fire Walk for Fire Walk with Me for me. It's also the same 
for Fargo, the movie, with me, but uh-huh. I've watched, I saw Big Lebowski when it came out, didn't like it, and then I saw it a couple, a couple of years ago, and I was like, yep, I was right. I don't like this. <laughs> <laughs> wow. So even on further viewing, you did not like Big Lebowski. Yeah, it just didn't. Okay. It just doesn't do it for me for some reason. All right. Yeah. You know. Yeah. It's not an awful picture. I and no. I, I think I think it's one of those ones that just tries too hard to be cool and quirky. You know? <laughs> well, yeah. Well. I, you know, I can see that it's trying too hard to be quirky. Mm-hmm. But, well, it, you know, I, I guess it's probably one of the more accessible Coen Brothers films. So, you know, that's probably why it's so popular because it's so right. utterly accessible to moviegoers of every stripe. And so that might be why you don't like it because too many other people like it. Right, yeah. I think <laughs> I'm smarter than the people who like it. I think that's what it boils down to. I'm like, oh, you really like The Big Lebowski? Uh, yeah, the Coen Brothers are awesome. I'm smarter than you. Um <laughs> Wow, that was so raw and honest. I'm rarely that raw and honest, man. <laughs> oh, I think I think I like it. That was that was good. That was good. Oh, oh man. man, yeah. Oh. But, uh, man, we have for a show that's supposed to be focusing on Twin Peaks. We sure did win. I'll go off on some slippery we slopes went off on there. Some tangents. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Well, we but always. That's you know. We we deliver more than just giving a recap of Twin Peaks. Come on, well, anybody yeah. can do that shit. I mean, that's what's great about the directors we like, like the Coen brothers and Tarantino and mm-hmm. Lynch, is that they go off on tangents sometimes. Boy, don't you know? they? Yeah, exactly. Sometimes that's the best part. That's why we're exactly like them. <laughs> yeah. We, we just go on. We just put a name to it. We just called it a slippery slope and... And actually put a name to what we do. Hell yeah. We're, <laughs> we're owning it. We are we're owning, owning it. it that's right. <laughs> well, dude, uh, part 10 was crazy. That was some crazy shit. Too much. I mean, it was like all some of the suspicions that we had before have come true. And some of the opinions that I've uh, already had about certain characters have been rammed home and borne out my early opinions on these particular characters. Right. Yeah. And so, yeah, it's some... Yeah, it was a, it was a crazy episode, but uh, yes, yeah, but I liked it a lot. I uh, <laughs> I had a great joke planned because you okay. know at the uh-huh. end of the episode, um, Rebecca Del Rio sings a song called "No, no Stars." Yes. I was like, oh, yeah, she sings a con- song called No Stars, like most of the Yelp reviews for this episode. <laughs> <laughs> but I didn't I don't really feel that way. I liked the episode, but I was like, man, that's a great zinger. <laughs> <laughs> yes. But it was also I mean, anyway, I there was definitely things I hated, mm-hmm. you know, like every episode of Twin Peaks. There was shit that I was just like, oh, the whole thing with the not to get uh, st- uh, started, but the <laughs> whole thing with the three. Three chorus girls. I just wanted to pull my fucking hair out. Yeah, um, I'm not sure. I kind of quite get it. Other than you know, they're like the uh, the Stepford Floozies or something. Right, and they're just stupid. I mean, it remind it reminded me a lot. I guess it's Lynch paying homage to On the Air because 
that that series, everyone in that series was dumb as shit too. They're just okay. so, standing so dumb, standing against walls in a in a state of uh, unconsciousness, though conscious. Yes, right. That kind of in, thing. in an homage to the fifties or something. I, guess, I, I, I don't, don't know. know, you know. And boy, right, pretty much right from the start of the the show, uh, mm-hmm. they're there. Although I guess it's a few minutes in before they're there. But the thing where she's yeah, she's about, after the fly. It's about two scenes like, in. Yeah, right. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just like, oh Jesus, come on. Yeah, I just, uh, that was a little contrived. Well, let's wait till we get to it. <laughs> all right, we're jumping ahead, of course. But uh, well, uh, understandably so. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, that's why I'm saying there were things I didn't like. There were certainly things I really liked, and there were things that I, I liked, even though they were horrifying um, because they were right. so amazing. But yeah, 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 it, absolutely. It, the, sh- the episode starts kind of horrifying. Oh, it does. I mean, here it is. I mean, Richard Horn pulling up in the shittiest car I've ever seen to a trailer <laughs> home. <laughs> and you live in Texas. Yes. <laughs> that, that thing was a beater with like um, three different colored doors. But that's beside right? the point. Pulls up to a trailer and it turns out to be the trailer of Miriam, the woman who witnessed the hit and run that he was guilty of, of running down the, the little boy. The dumbest shit woman who, yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, really, she was kind of dumb as shit. Yeah, and, not uh, very bright, Miriam. No, not very bright at all. She tells him that she's told the police, and he says, you have. And she said, yeah, but well, something like nothing. I'm surprised you're not arrested yet, so I wrote a letter to the sheriff. And he oh, said, did you send that today? <laughs> she said, <laughs> yes. Right. It's like, you dumb, yeah. you dumb bee. In, the, uh, <laughs> in that little trailer that the... That the big bad wolf could blow and knock down. <laughs> Boy, no shit. Yeah, it wouldn't take much of a gust of wind to flip that thing over. So oh of course, my God, is that hmm? is that scene an homage to the big bad wolf and the three little pigs? Oh, <laughs> oh, oh, oh that's awful. <laughs> terrible. That's awful, but funny. So anyway, because uh, she's revealed all this information to him. He decides, well, okay, I guess I can handle this situation. So he goes and he busts in and he strangles and beats Miriam to death, as far as we can tell. It's yeah. it's all it's all off camera, but right. yeah, and uh, leaves her bleeding body with the gas turned on on her stove and a candle lit yeah. to cover up any trace of her uh, when the trailer blows up. Right. So okay, you have to admit now. That Richard Horn is one evil motherfucker. <laughs> yeah, he's not just a poor kid who accidentally ran over a kid. Yeah. He's one evil fuck. Um, yeah. He's still hot, though. I still think he's just <laughs> hot. He's so my type. I mean, oh, my God, I think he's so, so hot. Okay. But And it's like, God damn it, Richard, hot. What are you doing? Okay, well, just, you know. <laughs> Love love the actor, hate the character. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he's really good. I mean, we have to admit that oh, he's yeah. really good. You fucking hate him. He's horrible. That's, absolutely. He's um just an evil shit. So it it yeah, definitely. So it almost leads you to believe that yeah, he could very possibly be the spawn of the doppelganger. Right. And, well, there's another clue about Audrey that Horn. too. Ah, well, I guess we'll get to that, won't we? Okay, yes, we will. All right, so right after he leaves uh, Miriam's trailer, 
after killing her. Uh, guess who he calls? He calls <laughs> up his good bad buddy, who we didn't know was his good buddy, Chad. Yes, Deputy Sheriff Chad at uh, the Twin Peaks Police Department. So obviously they are buddies and... Richard Horns basically tells him in no uncertain terms to intercept that letter. Um, oh, I'll try, Chad. <laughs> it's going to be hard. <laughs> you better more than try, you fuck, or whatever yeah. he tells him. <laughs> <laughs> Chad's like um, Damone in Fast Times at Richmond yeah. High. <laughs> when you call him and need help, and he's like, oh, man, I'm really busy. <laughs> That's so funny. <laughs> yeah, and he's watching Leave it to Beaver on TV, right? Okay. Is he? <laughs> oh, no. Demone is. Yes, yeah. is, not not Chad. We never see Chad in that scene. We just hear his voice on the phone. Right. So yeah, and that's pretty much all of that scene. Yep. And then we cut to what starts off to be a very beautiful scene, and it it gets ugly from there on in. Um, uh, it starts off with Harry Dean Stanton's character Carl is sitting outside his trailer at the fat trout trailer park playing his guitar and singing red river valley and it's so beautiful yeah you know harry dean stanton actually does play with a band or did i don't know if he still does yeah but he would actually do gigs he's played in austin a few times oh wow um yeah i've never seen him play but um and i i was surprised because i don't think i've ever really seen him sing before and he has a really beautiful voice he actually does i mean even at his advanced age i mean yeah know, hey quite quite lovely and then all that loveliness is shattered and i stress the word shattered when <laughs> a, a red coffee mug comes flying out of actually breaks through a window of the trailer right next to his uh and who's screaming and abusing his wife? Well, it's none other than Drughead Steven. He's abusing his wife, Becky. Also the other Shelley. weirdly hot guy on the show. <laughs> exactly. He's not... He's not uh he's not coming across as very hot in that particular scene though. And no. uh, so for our <laughs> listeners out there, Becky is Shelley's daughter, as yes. we learned earlier several several episodes ago. Yep. And he's yelling at her about not making enough money and all this bullshit. And I, I didn't I don't I didn't write all of the quotes down of everything he was you know, he was threatening to beat her ass and whatnot and I think and He did she, write down the most important quote though, didn't you? Yeah. Don't you give me that innocent fucking look. I know exactly what you did. I know exactly what you did. What the fuck is that about? Yeah. What did she do? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Intrigue. That's, Intrigue. Yeah. Exactly. That would, yeah, that would be the most important thing to take away from that scene. Other than the fact that, well, we kind of knew Steven was a fuck up. We just didn't fully know that he was an abusive fuck up as well. Right. Right. And we don't know if, if either one, of, I mean, obviously Richard Horn might be the doppelganger's son. Which would help us understand his horribleness, but is Stephen just naturally horrible, or is there, is there something in the water in Twin Peaks that makes weirdly hot dudes assholes? We just don't know. That's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, maybe there's yeah something. <laughs> yes, yeah, something, something in, the in water. that water. If you have the, if you have the uh, hot to lodger uh, gene, then that water somehow affects you. <laughs> Um, <laughs> yeah, into being yes. a total asshole. Yeah, so crazy shit. Yeah, so, uh, we done with that scene. You want to move on yep. to the next? Okay. Yeah. 
Next scene. Your favorite oh, one. <laughs> this is where I sigh a lot while right. you tell what happens. Okay. It, it starts off with the mobster slash casino boss, Rodney Mitchum, in his mid-century modern home, checking the Silver Mustang Casino's surveillance log. And one thing I noticed on the other page uh, said memorandum, but its memorandum is misspelled with an O instead of a U at the end. So anyway... I don't, I don't know if that's just to show that they're kind of dumb or... <laughs> right, it said, right. It said memorandum instead of memorandum. <laughs> and uh, that's what I was thinking. Yeah, he's pretty dumb. Or they're pretty right. dumb. But anyway, so Casino Floozy Candy is chasing and swatting at a fly with a cloth napkin. If- <laughs> she was a showgirl with a red hanky. <laughs> so she, she, with all of her swatting, she loses the cloth napkin, and then she's watching the fly, and it's flying around uh, Rodney Mitchum's head, and she picks up the TV remote, and it lands on the side of his head, and she hits Rodney in the side of the head as she's trying to swat the fly by accident. And she... <laughs> He screams, and she screams, and Bradley Mitchum, played by Jim Belushi, comes into the room. What's going on? What's all the hubbub? Blah, 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 etc. It's an, it's an homage to I Love Lucy called I Hate Candy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, that would be a good one. It goes on forever and ever. Yeah, the whole following the fly, you knew exactly what was going to happen at some point in time. Right, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was it was telegraphed, uh, you know, five minutes before she actually hit him. I'm sure Lynch was just laughing his, his ass, ass up. Oh, yeah, chasing <laughs> some more. Now do this. Oh, my God. <laughs> right. Uh, sure anyway, plenty of the next scene now? <laughs> yes, okay. Okay. <laughs> well, okay, the next scene, finally, Good Cooper, who everyone thinks is Dougie, is finally taken to the doctor by Janie E. Finally. And the doctor is amazed by Dougie's good health. He's lost weight. His heart, lungs, and blood pressure are excellent. And Janie E. is getting turned on. <laughs> yeah, she's she's pretty impressed with uh, the change in Dougie from what she remembers him looking like in and what his physique looks like now. And you got anything else to add to that particular Mm-mm. scene? Okay. No. All right. So we cut back to the uh, mid-century modern home of Rodney Mitchum. And the casino floozy candy is hysterical. She's crying. She's so upset that she hurt the love of her life. Uh Casino boss Rodney is watching the local news about Ike okay. the Spike being arrested. And his brother Bradley th- Bradley is there, and he quips, Ike finally stepped on his dick! <laughs> <laughs> so they see the story of the about the attempted murder of Dougie and all of the people that were being interviewed about the what actually happened and how he, you know, chopped the guy's neck and all this stuff and... So Rodney and Bradley, they snap to it and they say, that's our Mr. Jackpots, Rodney. That's what Bradley says to uh, to Rodney. That's our Mr. Jackpots. Right. And then he says, turns out our Mr. Jones is Mr. Jones. <laughs> <laughs> they also say, oh, we can call off the hit and save a ton of dough. Oh, <laughs> yes, that's right. Oh, all right, whatever. <laughs> yeah, good. Okay, so... 
right. <laughs> Next scene. Uh, Dougie and Janie are at home. Dougie's eating cake, chocolate the cake. Most- as a disgusting of display of eating cake you've ever had to sit through. <laughs> Nauseating with its chewing and <laughs> mouth noises. And it's like watching your 80-year-old grandpa eat a piece of fucking cake. Anyone who gets turned on by that needs to think about their life and what they've done. <laughs> yes. So, yes, Janie, obviously blind to the disgusting display of eating, is <laughs> staring at Dougie and uh, her squirming in her seat and uh, uh, shuffling her feet. And <laughs> I don't know what else. And she says to Dougie, oh, she thinks Dougie, good Cooper, do you find me attractive? I find you attractive. And then they cut that to the next of, scene. <laughs> what? One of the most horrible uh, Natalie, um, Naomi Watts impersonations I've ever heard. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, yeah, okay. I'd agree with that. I don't. I don't do. I don't do women very well uh, impersonation wise. Right. Okay. <laughs> so cut to Dougie and Janie E are having sex. She's on top of him, and his arms are a flopping. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, <laughs> Janie E is screaming out in ecstasy so much they actually wake up Sunny Jim, who sits <laughs> bolt upright in bed and is looking around for twenty minutes um, because he's probably never heard sounds like that coming from his mom and dad's bedroom. Yeah, it could be right. I I don't know. Yes, but yeah. So once the lovemaking has finished, Cooper and Janie lay together in ecstasy afterwards. <laughs> the look on Kyle McLaughlin's face is pretty funny. It but, is funny, yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah. I wrote, in the soft jazz adult contemporary post-orgasmic glow, we move to the woods. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good. That's a good, good segue to... Next, the next scene, Dr. Jacoby on his live video podcast railing against the government, big corporations, etc., screaming about how we're sheep ready to be sheared, etc., 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 railing on and on. You got any quotes from uh, Dr. Jacoby? I didn't write anything down. Okay, good. That's fine. So, anyway. Uh, apparently, his his viewership has gone down from two people to one person. <laughs> apparently, only Nadine is the only remaining viewer because apparently Jerry Horn's lost out in the woods, as we'll right. find, find out later. Uh, right. But Nadine, I wrote this, Nadine, owner of Run Silent, Run Drapes. <laughs> what a great name. For a shop. Oh, I man, I lost my shit. I thought that was hilarious. Wasn't that a One great... One of the best jokes. Yeah, wasn't that a great Easter egg for people, oh. fans of the old series, you know? Yeah. Where she came up with her silent uh, drape runners. Oh, yes. man. Run yeah. silent, run drapes. Run drapes. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I lost my shit, man. It was so funny. Yeah. And displaying uh-huh. Jacoby's golden shovel right oh, in yes. the front window. Right. In the, that was hilarious. <laughs> so she is a big fan. So she's watching with admiration. And then she says, oh, he's so beautiful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> So, uh, uh, you know, you know, sometimes comedic scenes like that, they work, 
You know, right. Doctor Jacoby, yeah. he wor- It works. I love. I love how he's he's completely gone off the deep end from the way he used to be. Of course, he yeah. was he was always weird, but <laughs> now he is. Yeah, cr- but he was cr- kind. It's funny now that you mention it because he was kind of like hippy dippy, and now he's uh-huh. like conspiracy theorist. You know, right. he went from he went from like I don't know who you would think of as hippy dippy. I can't think of a good example, but. It went from hippy dippy to Alex Jones in well, twenty five years. Yeah, kind of. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah, definitely, definitely <laughs> like that. So anyway, the, but it was a fun scene and a good palate cleanser. Absolutely. Yeah. So the next scene is Dougie and Janie. Janie is still glowing from the love making the night before, and uh, she happily takes Dougie to work. <laughs> That's all I've got of that. Yeah, I just went back to Dougie's morning glow. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's <laughs> Beautiful. Okay, which then cuts to who, someone we mentioned a second ago, Jerry Horn in the woods holding up his telephone, screaming out, You can't fool me! I've been here before. Yeah. So I don't know what the hell. So is he having some interaction with with, uh, some some Black Lodge stuff? Or is he just crazy as shit and stoned out of his mind? Yeah. Is it the drugs? Is he crazy? Is it the the Black Lodge? What what the hell is going on? But at least when when he yelled out, you can't fool me, I've been here before, that seems somewhat like a clue whereas right. just the thing where his foot talks to him is just stupid as fuck <laughs> yeah I, yeah i don't know what at least the hell that seems that like was. some kind of crazy clue right exactly and who knows maybe it ties back to the humming at the at the great northern or right something yeah. i don't know man who knows it's gonna start converging eventually all right <laughs> so getting away it from jerry to. yeah Getting away from Jerry Horn lost in the woods, we cut back to Twin Peaks Police Department. Chad is schmoozing with Lucy, waiting for the mail to arrive. And so he's hanging out there, and finally the guy with the mail truck shows up, and he gets the letters. He finds the letter that uh, Miriam had sent to Sheriff Truman. He stuffs it in his shirt and then walks back into um, the police station. Of course, then it. Right. There was uh, a whole. I read a whole thing online, someone talking about this episode, where they were talking about they wondered if Lucy... Lucy knew he was up to something. Yeah, she was suspicious. Because he never, you know, offers to go get the mail, I'm sure. Presumably, yeah. Yeah. And she's she's eyeballing him through the Mm -hmm. window and stuff, trying to see if she can see something. Right. But we don't know if she saw him take the letter and put it in his shirt or not. Right. And and so... But, you know... Lucy always was the character that was kind of dumb, but in the past episodes, in the previous series, she had uh-huh. sometimes done smart things, so we never know. Exactly. So she may somehow, you know, retrieve that letter and make sure it right. gets to its uh, rightful recipient. So um, so I guess they after that, they cut to a scene of Richard Horn driving, and he received a text message from Tad, presumably, that from Chad. That <laughs> says done. Done. Meaning he had retrieved the letter, obviously. So, And it looks like uh, Richard Horn wasn't just driving. He was going somewhere. But anyway, now I'm ahead of myself. Now we come to the wow scene. Right. Um, here it is. 
We see helmeted and bound Johnny Horn at the Horn household, uh, looking at a creepy talking teddy bear who's saying, Hello, Johnny. How are you today? Over and over and over and again. And over and over. And then evil Richard Horn arrives at the home of his grandparents. Well, yeah, the intercom says, mm-hmm. Mrs. Horn, your grandson Richard is on his way in. Okay, right. So two things. One thing we learn a lot later, mm-hmm. not to get too far ahead, but okay. I'm pretty sure that Sylvia Horn and Ben Horn are no longer together. Oh, absolutely. So. Especially with the phone conversation that happens later between Ben and Sylvia. We, right. we, we know that for a fact. Right? And then the so other it's... thing is we know for a fact that Richard Horn is their grandson, which mean he ha- means he has to be the son of either Audrey or Johnny. And right. pretty sure he's not Johnny's son. <laughs> yeah, we're pretty sure it's not Johnny's son. So, so Richard arrives at his grandmother's house and immediately begins demanding money and... <laughs> He he be, he even goes so far as to choke his grandmother Sylvia into giving him the combination of the safe. She offers to give him all the money in her purse. He said, "I don't want that. I want what's in the safe." And so he basically he literally chokes the combination of the safe out of her. So he goes gets the gets the money out of the safe, several thousand dollars. Then he yeah ransacks her purse oh and her jewelry box so he's got he says cash, jewelry. He, when he's mm-hmm. trying to get the um mm-hmm. when he's trying to get the um combination from her uh-huh. he says i'll squeeze the shit out of you and i'll cornhole that motherfucker oh, yeah. over there <laughs> yes he doesn't he doesn't say his dad i won't cornhole my dad he says i'll cornhole that motherfucker. so apparently johnny's not his dad or he right but yeah, well yeah uh, yeah exactly yeah <laughs> Cornhole, but, poor, poor Johnny, laying on the yeah. floor with his helmet all tied up, <laughs> and, his, and his teeth are somehow welded together or something for uh, some reason. I think he had maybe a, probably got a broken jaw from hitting the wall, and so they had to wire his jaw shut. Yeah, I guess. Um, but I, you know, watching that scene, it was just so fucking evil. I mean, mm-hmm. one thing I was thinking was th- there's so few taboos left in the world, but a guy. Beating uh-huh. the fuck out of his grandmother is yeah. a taboo. There was nothing. I don't think you can think of much more, anything more shocking and disgusting than that scene. Yeah. You know, th- that was just horrifying and horrible. And and it reminded me a lot of the rape scene in A Clockwork Orange for some reason. It was oh, just. Wow. It was just that evil and i don't know why there because the, okay that disturbing it, is what you're saying yeah yeah okay it was just that disturbing i guess that's what it was because it wasn't certainly wasn't didn't seem like it was filmed as an homage or anything but it just no. had that same feeling mm-hmm. right it's just because he was this overwhelming force this unstoppable force just having his way uh, you know someone really weak yeah right yeah, yeah. a grandmother right just, i mean i i think the guy who plays richard horn is so attractive but <laughs> you know it's just horrible to watch i mean it's yeah. like and jesus you hate him you're just like oh you fucker yeah you that's... evil evil fuck yeah that's the, yeah that might hold the top spot of the the vilest scene in this series even worse than when uh, the doppelganger uh, shot, uh, uh, what's her name, in that hotel room? Uh, what, what, what? Oh, yeah, I can't remember her okay. name. Okay, well, anyway. Uh, 
Uh, yeah, I thought uh, I thought Ray that was bad. Whatever her name was. Oh yeah, when he punches her in the face. Yeah. And then, yeah. Then ultimately puts a pillow over her head and blows her brains out. Right. But anyway, that's Lynch. Yeah. Lynch gets a lot of a, a bad rap about being misogynistic and and violence against women that is in his mm-hmm. stuff. But to me, it's always about. It's not about violence against women. It's about violence against someone weaker. And yeah. I mean, certainly the the woman that Bad Cooper kills is evil as fuck too. You know, she's not so such a victim, even even though she is. But well, yeah, a guy fucking uh, uh, strangling and beating and throwing his grandmother around. I still, it's yeah. still just I get fucking angry. I'm like, oh, you. That's just so fucking vile. I yeah, can't it's... think of anything. There's just very little else you can think of that that is that vile and. Oh, I and, know. Yeah, I, as they say, it's beyond the pale. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's it's why I horrifying. was like, I was thinking about it, and I was just like, you know, there's there's still some taboos in the world, but there's not a lot. It's hard to shock people mm-hmm. at, at, or, or evoke a real strong reaction from them, and he certainly right. did with that scene. Yeah, I mean, a, a grandson brutalizing his grandmother is horrifying. Horrifying. The only, only thing that could have made him worse is if he would beat her up and then raped her. That would have been yeah, I only, know. That would have been the I only mean, thing worse. Yeah, and and uh, you know he threatens to cornhole her, her completely, um, yeah. you know, helpless son, um, adult right. son, yeah. which is vile and disgusting too. Well, but true, yeah. Anyway, okay. I was, just that scene it was so it's hard to watch. It was hard to watch, and yet at the same time, it was just like, oh my god, mm-hmm. you know. And I watched it again a second time. I rewatched it because. Yeah. I was like, I know that he's not really strong. I know they're a- actors doing a scene. I mm-hmm. know that, you know, she agreed to be in that scene. And right. and I'm sure the, him, his, I can't remember what the actor's name is, but I'm sure he hated doing that. And just like, true, but like she's wearing a turtleneck. And so, you know, there is some cushion there where he's strangling her. But, well, you know, I had, I think I had to watch it a second time to show that it was not real oh, <laughs> you know to, i had to, to prove to yourself again. that she she didn't walk away from the actress didn't walk away from that scene with bruises all over her throat right yeah he yeah. throws her to the ground and all kinds of shit and i'm sure they had stunt people there who showed them how to do things like that hell it may have even been a stunt woman in a wig that he throws to the ground i don't it doesn't seem like it's it though. possible but, and and then you know also having padding inserts in the floor things like that to keep actors from being actually injured right yeah but it's just done so well and and those you know the guy who plays Mm -hmm. richard horn and the the woman who plays sylvia yeah fucking they it's just an amazing scene yeah the 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 thing you have to worry about with actors sometimes and, and young actors in particular is they get so into a scene that they actually accidentally truly hurt someone right and i i hope this, I, 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 I hope this wasn't one of those situations because yeah, that was I, a very very believable scene it was done really well yeah, yeah i don't think so but yeah i know what you're saying too because if i've always thought you know you always hear these things where actors are in a sle- scene where they have to slap someone and mm-hmm. and they they do it kind of weakly and the other actor gets kind of like come on just go ahead and slap me and then they slap the shit out of them right <laughs> by accident <laughs> exactly. and i've always thought i would i would be the same if i was in a scene like that as an actor i'd be like it's okay just slap me that's what you're supposed to do uh-huh. um but you know, you take the chance that someone's gonna get 
you know, miss miss a mark or something and, and <laughs> slap you right in the fucking face. Yeah, exactly. And, and it happens, I'm sure, all the time. Of course, oh, you know, yeah. you're not going to get injured, you know, really badly from somebody slapping you unless they right. put a finger in your eye or something like that. But <laughs> a spoon in your eye. Yeah, but, it's just yeah. shocking <laughs> as hell. Okay, I I think we've. We, we squeezed all the juice out of that scene. <laughs> we squeezed the shit out of that scene. <laughs> yes, we did. Oh. All right. Yeah. So, so we cut to the next scene. It's Duncan Todd gets the news of Ike the Spike's capture and that it, it is a reality. And uh, he has Anthony Sinclair in his office, and he talks to him. Anthony Sinclair, pl- played by Tom Sizemore, one right. of Dougie's co-workers. And he, he's talking to him about getting Duncan Todd's rivals, the Mitchum brothers, to kill Dougie over a $30 million denied insurance claim. Do you recall my business rivals and bitter enemies, the Mitchum brothers? <laughs> <laughs> I love that line. Right. <laughs> and uh, he tells him, he says, if you can't get them to kill Dougie, you're going to have to kill Dougie yourself. Right. Yeah. We're so. going to watch as they take care of our Mr. Jones problem. Uh, well, all right. So we always knew that uh, Anthony Sinclair, Tom Sizemore's character, was not on the up and up. He was, you know, always trying to push these insurance claims through. And, uh, of course, Dougie, uh, as you recall, in one of the meetings, saw some uh, light flashing on Tom Sizemore character's uh, forehead or chest. And Dougie goes, he's lying. Right. And so... We already kind of knew that Anthony Sinclair yeah, he wasn't was, a good guy, that's was for sure. not a good guy. That's true. Uh, you got anything else on that? Mm, nope. Okay. So we then cut to the Hotel Mayfair Bar in South Dakota where Constance, <laughs> the, the uh, morgue or mortician or whatever you want to call her. Medical the, examiner the medical or whatever. Examiner yeah. and Albert are hitting it off over drinks. Gordon and Tammy watch from afar and laugh. <laughs> giggle. They giggle. Okay, they giggle. They're not Yeah. They're not They're not laughing at them. They're, they're not, having a nice little giggle about yes. Albert being mm-hmm. sweet, as sweet talking with another woman or something. Exactly. As Gordon walks up with his arm around Tammy's waist. Yeah. So something's going on with Gordon and Tammy, maybe. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. You know, another thing, not to get off the subject here, but mm-hmm. uh, there was a there was a tweet last week after the scene with Tammy and Laura Dern and and Gordon outside smoking. You know, yeah. And Laura Dern tweeted something about that, and then uh, she referred to Tammy as uh, Witchy Poo or Witchy Poo <laughs> or something. Oh, and I was uh-huh. just like, that's a really odd thing to call her. Um, mm. Is that some kind of foreshadowing? Is she going to be a bad person, or or is it just because she has all black hair? You know, she's then always dressed in black. Yeah. Or I just thought it was a really odd thing to call Tammy. Well, maybe the two uh, actresses don't get along very well maybe on don't. the set. I mean, it wasn't you, a, it, yeah, because you're talking it about it did, you're talking huh? you're talking about Laura Dern, the actress, tweeting yes. about the uh, woman who plays Tammy Preston. Yes. Okay. Although possibly about her character and not her ah, personally. Okay. Well, she's always wearing dark clothes and she has yeah black hair, like you said, and yeah, dark so, makeup. I guess. Eh, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought it was interesting that she called her <laughs> okay. 
either witchy or witchy poo or something like that. Could just be anyway. a little a little bit of cattiness on the set. It must maybe so. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So next scene. We're back at the Silver Mustang Casino, and uh, Rodney and Bradley are looking at the closed-circuit TV, and they see Anthony Sinclair walk into the casino, much to their chagrin, and um, Candy is still fucked up. (laughs) I can't remember. Oh, yeah, she's leaning against the wall, not listening, and Rodney and Bradley have to scream at her to finally get her to bring Anthony Sinclair into their office, even though there was already a guy out on the floor talking to Anthony who had a walkie-talkie who could have easily said, why don't you just go through this door? But whatever. They're just fucking with candy. <laughs> I don't know. Good point. Yeah. Good point. <laughs> but anyway, they, they make it a point to get candy to go bring him in. Because, you know, the episode would only be 30 minutes without candy in it. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) So finally, she escorts Anthony in after she spends 30 minutes out on the the floor talking about the air conditioning, uh, (laughs) apparently. Because when she finally brings him in, what what were you talking about out there? Yeah, and she mentions something about how it's so much, it's so good that we have air conditioning because it's so hot outside. Whatever. Right, yeah. (laughs) Whatever. So anyway, to get to the meat of it, Anthony tells them that Dougie Jones has it out for them and has denied their $30 million claim. And he keeps repeating, you have an enemy in Douglas Jones. (laughs) He has a personal vendetta. (laughs) Right. So I think he made that uh, abundantly, abundantly clear to the Mitchum brothers. Yeah. So later on, the Mitchum brothers are pissed and and rodney says now i know how brando felt what the fuck is he talking about i don't know does Does brando get uh, fucked over by someone in maybe uh, godfather oh could be i was i was thinking about on the waterfront oh okay uh, brando got fucked over in a lot of movies i guess like uh (laughs) yeah i could have been a contender i could have been somebody instead of a bum which is what i am just what i am (laughs) i all right but But then Bradley, Bradley Mitchum says, fuck us once, shame on us. Fuck us twice, shame on you. You're dead. (laughs) He's smarter than Bush anyway. (laughs) Except he got it all backwards, but whatever, you know. Fuck us once, shame on you. Fuck us twice, shame on me. Oh, anyway, okay. You know, but no. whatever, the last fuck one. Me, fuck me once, shame on you. Fuck me twice, shame on me. Right, but right. he says... Yeah, that's, I think that's what you said. Okay, I'm right. sorry. And he says, fuck us once, shame on us. Fuck us twice, you, shame you on you. You again. <laughs> yeah. But I like that the, I like the punctuation mark he put on it. You're dead. That's, that's all he says. All right, whatever. End of that scene. Um, Thanks. So the next scene is in Gordon's ho- Gordon Cooper's Gordon Cooper Gordon Cole's hotel room, where Gordon is drawing a picture of a misshapen deer with an arm reaching for it. Hmm. A crack in the sky and a hand reaching down to me. <laughs> I almost <laughs> thought that the antlers on the deer kind of looked like the uh, the uh, uh, the evolution of the arm. <laughs> and then it and then it had a real arm reaching for it. So I don't mm. know. Whatever. It it could have just been oh Lynch was doodling on the set and he said, I'm gonna put this in the scene. Um, or something. But I'll it, be doodling over here <laughs> and then you focus on me and then when I get up to answer the door, you keep the shot on the 
artwork. <laughs> yes. He wanted he wanted documentation that he in fact actually drew it. <laughs> right, yeah. Anyway, there's a knock on the door, so he quits his doodling, gets up, and he opens the door and immediately sees a vision of Laura Palmer crying. Laura Palmer's at the door. What the fuck? <laughs> well, it looked I don't know what yeah, it was anyway, it was file footage of Laura Palmer. Uh, yeah. And then we hear uh Laura's mother Sarah say, "Laura." And then the vision disappears and Albert is at the door. Like, what the fuck are you looking at, Gordon? <laughs> yes. It's just it's... Be <laughs> That's right. So, Albert has some very very interesting and disturbing news to tell Gordon. Albert tells Gordon about that they had intercepted a text message that Diane had received. And uh, he said Tammy traced it to a server in Mexico. I think it was originally it was like they traced it to somewhere in Colorado. And so they thought maybe it was just one of uh, many of the boys in uh, Diane's stable of men or something like that. Right. And he said, Tammy right. traced it then to a server in Mexico. And he said, Diane responded with a heavily encrypted response. They have Hastings. He's going to take them to the site. And then, right. Uh, Al- Albert, I think Albert says, doesn't sound like boyfriend talk. Gordon, <laughs> Gordon. <laughs> yeah. Gordon says, I felt it when she hugged me, but this yeah. confirms it. That was really surprising because when she hugged him at the prison, I, uh-huh. she seemed genuinely upset. Yeah. So a Apparently Gordon knew better, yeah, <laughs> or something. But so, so Albert, yeah, yeah. So Albert says, "What should we do?" Gordon says, "Keep her close." Yeah. <laughs> and so it's like fuck. So what we were concerned with and uh, speculating about last episode about Diane being in cahoots with the doppelganger Bad Cooper seems to be true at this point right i mean i guess we're supposed to assume at this point that the scene between the doppelganger and diane in prison when she Mm -hmm. pulls up the shade and talks to him Mm -hmm. and acts totally upset that that i guess she does that because she thinks other people are watching or (sighs) i I, I just don't get it i don't get how diane is going to fit in when she acted one way at first and now they've got her flipped the other way right but you know, right. So apparently how that's going to shake out has yet to be seen because I'm yeah, I'm as you are, I'm sure I'm very confused about, you know, Diane's loyalties at this point. Right. Yeah. I don't know what, what, to what think. the hell's going on. Right. Or are there two Diane's? Well, exactly. Is Diane, you know, <laughs> two Diane's. Yeah. Two Chalfonts. Yeah. Two Coopers. Two Two lunches. <laughs> two lunches. <laughs> there are two lunches, yes. So no, I said two lunches. <laughs> two lunches. <laughs> Remember last week when it was two Lucy's, two lunches? Right. Yes. Two, two Coopers. Two Coopers. Um, but also, you were also talking about two lynches last episode. That's true. The, That's uh, true. The, the industrial, the industrial lynch, lynch and the... And the dark, mysterious lynch. Mysterious lynch, lynch yeah. yeah. <laughs> right. Wow. Uh, so, yeah, there's lots of duality here. Um, yes. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, okay, so right after Albert and um, Gordon have their conversation about Diane's text messages with uh, the doppelganger, Tammy enters and shows them a picture of Bad Cooper in relation to the New York 
penthouse murders. Apparently, one of yes. the first photos on one of the first uh, SD memory cards showed a picture of Bad Cooper talking to a scientist or something. Right. At first, I thought it was supposed to be. I, I didn't when she showed it. I. I thought, oh, it's Cooper in the box when he's coming through the electrical outlet and he stops mm-hmm. in the box for a minute. <laughs> sounds yeah. stupid. But for, <laughs> I was thinking that's what that was a picture of. But then mm-hmm. I went back and looked at it and I'm like, oh, no, that's doppelganger Cooper. That's right. bad Cooper. That's not right. Cooper in a in a three piece suit. And so I was and then so I was like, oh, it's one of the first cards. So it's definitely Cooper Mm -hmm. seems that it's definitely bad Cooper doppelganger. Right there. He's the one who set up that box and presumably Mm -hmm. to capture Dale when Dale comes back at 253. Right. Yeah. It seemed like that was the whole purpose of that thing was to somehow prevent him from coming back in full. I mean, right. Yeah. 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 Which maybe it did. Maybe that's why he had to go through the electrical outlet and is now kind of lost. Mm-hmm. Exactly. More and better clues about what the fuck's going on. All, All right. right. So moving forward to the next scene, mm-hmm. uh, Sylvia Horn calls Ben Horn and tells him of how Richard came and stole all of her money. And she wants Ben to compensate her. And I wrote here, they are obviously divorced. Yep. So at that point, we realize they're divorced. So yes, and she um, she even threatens to call her lawyer. Matter of fact, she says she's going to call her lawyer. Call her lawyer. Yeah, I thought that was interesting. That mm-hmm. that because uh, I didn't snap to the fact that even though Rich, um, Richard Horn is calling her grandma in that whole scene, I think I was mm-hmm. so shocked by what was going on yeah. that I didn't even get the clue. Oh, he's calling her grandma. That means he's not Ben's son. He's right grandson and yeah. i didn't even snap to that i i read some someone posted about that online and i like did like a facepalm i was like oh my god how can you be so dumb that was a huge clue <laughs> yes um, yeah and and i didn't get it right away again uh, because i think that scene is so shocking well that's true it it, it, it kind of makes you lose details because of that so maybe that was yeah maybe that was the whole purpose to yeah, make it so shocking that you maybe forget that they mentioned that it was her grandson so right. we know for sure so, at this point. Then yeah, it's uh, yeah, it's uh, Audrey's son. Presumably Audrey's son, and yeah. um, and that Ben and Sylvia are divorced. Yeah, right. So which is even odder. Although we don't know if Ben remarried or what his status is, but you know this thing where he's finding it hard to be romantic with Beverly. Of course, she's married too. Maybe he knows that. Right. Um. But but. At the end of at the end of the scene, after Ben gets through talking to Sylvia, he has his he has his head in his hands and he says out loud, "Beverly, do you want to have dinner with me?" Yeah, <laughs> I thought that was funny. Yeah, it was. Yeah. So how how much am I gonna what am I gonna have to do to read the log lady's speech? You you are perfectly free to read the entire log lady scene man she uh, she says a lot he does and so, i wrote i went back and listened to it and and transcribed it to too. make sure i got every word okay well i'm gonna be following along to make sure you get every letter right now okay okay so Tell anyway me if I'm, no, I'm liable to have missed something but i don't think i did so as she has done in the past the log lady calls hawk yes 
And Hawk is at the police station listening as she speaks. Yes. And she says, Hawk, electricity is humming. You hear it in the mountains and rivers. You see it dance among the seas and stars and glowing around the moon. But in these days, the glow is dying. What will be in the darkness that remains? The Truman brothers are both true men. They are your brothers and the others, the good ones who have been with you. Now the circle is almost complete. Watch and listen to the dream of time and space. It all comes out now, flowing like a river, that which is and is not. And then, Hawk, Laura is the one. Wow. <laughs> it was like pretty close. Yeah, that's 100%, man. That was 100%. Thanks. Very well that done. Was- um yeah Thank you. just such a you know god to see the lo- the log lady mm-hmm. i mean it's just so amazing especially i don't know how much you've looked read about or seen documentaries about um lynch's past but you know she's been with them since the early days they've been friends yes. for a long time she a- did a lot of stuff on a racer head right Catherine colson yeah mm-hmm. and so she's you know, her and Lynch just go way back. And for Lynch to be able to give her this last chance to play the log lady and then give yeah. her such amazing words to say. Yeah, I'm so glad that she got yeah. this. This this is probably the last scene that she's in. Uh, but uh, yeah, what a great way to go out with that amazing right. and cryptic we and beautiful statement. We Yeah, we aren't sure... You know, we weren't even sure if we would see her again after she was in one of the early episodes. I don't know if it was even the first episode or right. second, but um, y- you know, I wasn't even sure we would see her again. So, and then mm-hmm. she she's there and she delivers just almost out of the blue, with no setup, delivers this amazing poetic right. speech. Yeah. And it was just, I don't, you know, as a Lynch fan, as a Twin Peaks fan, I, you know, I've never heard anyone say, you know what? I don't like the log lady. Everybody loves the log lady. <laughs> yeah. I mean, she's, she is Twin Peaks. Right. And, she, she uh, was, you know, was... she is like the, what mm-hmm. do you call it? The mascot of Twin Peaks. Yeah. And just, just yeah. so amazing. What a great scene. I was just, ri- was... I had to watch it over and I watched it like three or four times and then transcribed it oh, yeah. because it was just a great speech absolutely um yeah and 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 the information and what she's saying it's almost like you know the the world is kind of on the brink of either teetering toward good or teetering toward evil and it's and it's yeah up to them to to make it happen by coming together as brothers and the, like she said the other ones that have been with you which you know yeah could be you know, Cole and Albert and any and all of the bookhouse boys, uh, right. you name it. And she says, yeah, that. I mean, that's, you know, I didn't mm-hmm. think about this till just right now, but, you know, we've always knew that Harry Truman, Michael Onkin's character, was a good guy. Mm-hmm. And we've, we feel that, um, his brother, played by, um, Robert Forster, is a good guy, but she yeah. lays it out there. There's no, there's no hidden darkness in these guys. They are good guys. Hawk is a good guy. Right. We don't have, to in, a, in in its own way that is a clue we don't have to second guess those characters as like we are with with diane mm-hmm. because well you true. know yeah they're true they're true men and and brothers and fighting the good fight yeah and then of course the first sentence electricity is humming which is oh, you know yeah. 
that that runs completely through the entire it's no pun intended yeah no, it's, yeah it is no pun intended here in the mountains and rivers yeah, yeah. it's the, the you know the world is alive i mean really it's the world is alive and and when you're good you see that you see the beauty in the mountains and the rivers and the and the mm-hmm. sea and the stars and the moon you those things are all poetically beautiful to yeah. to a good person right yeah, but there's, there's there's that warning in there. The glow is dying. What will yeah. be in the darkness that remains? Yeah, so, boy, yeah. pretty profound in this this day and time in America too. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah, don't get me started. <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't think that was Lynch's intention, but no, um, probably not. Yeah, it, but, yeah, it's um, uh, you know, it, I mean, it, Twin Peaks has always been about good versus evil. I mean, that's definitely true. the theme of the show. Yeah. The evil just happens to be. Well, you know, and the good to a certain degree is just unusual and and somewhat metaphysical. I mean, the log lady, we know that she's a good person. And yes, and even though she's very strange, you know, right. She's almost like a a, a soothsayer in a yeah, in an old uh, uh, Greek tragedy or something. Yeah, yeah, she's. She's uh, definitely a more than just a poet and more than just a, a good right. person or or a fortune teller. She's a she's yeah. a, a, a spiritual being. Exactly. Yeah, definitely. Um, now the last line of what the log lady says: "Lara is the one." Yeah. What does that which, mean? Which reminds me of. Um, the uh, the atomic explosion episode a couple mm-hmm. of episodes ago where they show you know Lara um, comes out of a, a golden fountain out of the giant's head and she's in this ball and she's caught by the lady who's wearing the sequin dress and the has the dark eye makeup and then she's released into that saxophone shaped horn thing and then spit out toward the earth like right laura is the one you know maybe she's she was the thing that was supposed to fix everything but right somehow i i I don't know i don't know laura is the the one i you know that's just it's very cryptic i don't know what it necessarily means but i right i think it ties in with that whole well i think yeah i think obviously because we're revisiting you know 25 years later and and laura even says i'll see you 25 years from now um you know, in the at the end of the series, the second season, mm-hmm. if you would think about Laura Palmer, you just kind of think of her as the victim or the even maybe even right. the sacrificial lamb or something. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, she's obviously somehow it's going to come and be she's something more than that. Yeah. One like, presumes from all of this. Right. That she, that exactly. she still has relevance in this case, this blue rose case or whatever it, it is now. You know, she's more than just one of the evil Black Lodge person's victims. She's more than that. Yeah, for sure. At least we're, we're getting definitely we're having inklings of, of knowing that. Yeah, right. I so. mean, it, it's going to be really interesting because I, I I don't doubt that Lynch and Frost are going to pull this all together into some sort of ending Mm-hmm. that ties it together in some way yes but i for, but what's great is for the life of me i can't imagine what that ending is <laughs> you know well, i i'm like i you know and i don't know maybe i'll be disappointed when it comes but i don't maybe. think so well i think we'll be disappointed when it's over but well hopefully yeah in these next nine or uh, actually these next eight, eight. episodes mm-hmm. they will make it into a, a beautiful present for us all i don't know 
<laughs> we, I guess I we'll find so. out. I have faith they will. Yeah. That reminds me too. I don't know if we talked about this, but the last mm-hmm. the last air date I think is September third. Yeah. And it is two episodes at night, so it's one a week until oh, wow. we get to two left, and then oh my god. The last- the last night they'll they're showing seventeen and eighteen together. That's that's gonna be one crazy night. Yeah. That'll be amazing. I, okay. All right, remember at least that's what I read online. Okay. That'll be great. Now remember I was talking about remind me to talk about brothers. There's a yeah. There are a lot of brothers in this season three. You know, obviously you got the Horn brothers. You've got the Fusco brothers, who are the detectives in um, uh, They're in Las in Vegas. Las Vegas. Yeah, and then you've got um, God. There's more brothers. The Truman brothers, obviously. Mm-hmm. And then there's there just seems to be a lot of brothers. Oh, and the uh, the uh, the Mitchum brothers. You know, the, right? The casino right. owners, yeah. Mitchum brothers. You know, just and they all seem to be in the same line of work. It seems it's just just an observation yeah, on my yeah. part. Something about Lynch and brothers in this. Uh, in this season you know i don't know do you know is david lynch an only child you just um you kind of assume that because would, he's a such a singular person but yeah, yeah i almost would think that but i don't know that for a fact but uh, i don't either and that's hmm. interesting because you know if you have brothers but i do not i have a sister yeah. and yeah. but so i so having a brother is completely alien to me i have no yeah. idea what that's like you know, I mean, I've certainly had close friends and, you know, I can imagine a little bit. But for the most part, I really right. don't know what it's like to grow up with another boy in the house. Yeah. yeah. Where you're, you yeah. know, either adversarial or or um, the best of buddies, best buddies or or both. Because mm-hmm. um, certainly with a sister, it was like that. Sometimes we got along great and sometimes we hated each other. And, you know, it could be very adversarial. It could be very loving. You know, it's that's just thing. the way it is with siblings, I'm sure. Yeah, it's 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 a sibling thing. Yeah, there's there's competition. There's love. There's, you know, there are fights. There are, you know, coming together in solidarity against a common uh, enemy, usually the parents. Uh, <laughs> yes, right. But, you know, until and I say that tongue in cheek, of course. Yeah, of course. But, you know, I. I I, so, like I say, that's kind of alien to me, except, you know, I have that feeling with my nephew because we get along so well. We like the same things for the most part. Mm-hmm. We're very compatible in our interests and things. And that's uh, like the, fir- the only person, the only other guy in my life mm-hmm. where I had that brotherly feeling towards him, even though he's my nephew, uh-huh. you know. It's, yeah, but you yeah, know. I get the idea of it, but you're, uh, you're kind of tied to each other through common DNA. But then you've also got this, you know, this familial history as well, right? You know, and, and how much of it is familial? Just you know, from being around that person a lot, uh, and how much of it is DNA and blood and all right. those things? Yeah. You know, well, and you know, you have some overlap in kind of life experience, so to speak, orientation wise. Right. Right. You know, which you know, which kind of is a, a solidarity creating um, situation, I guess. Maybe. Right. I think it's you know because too sometimes I mean you have an older brother. Or, or two yeah. older brothers? No, just just one. One older brother. Yes. And I mean, how much older is he than you? Like two and a half years. So a little bit older. 
Yeah. And that's, you know, like when I when I got older and thought about the fact that I didn't have a brother, because a lot of people like, you know, especially a lot of people who liked new wave and punk rock music uh-huh. was because their older brother was into it, you know, mm-hmm. and and I always kind of missed that thing of I wish I had an older brother that would have turned me on to music and maybe, yeah. you know, yeah. Well, I, I see what you're saying, but you know, it's funny how two and a half years doesn't seem like very much nowadays, but two and a half years back then was actually quite significant because he, he was not a fan of New Wave or anything, yet I was. Right. So I picked right. that up elsewhere, but I did, you know, pick up, you know, my, you know, certain, um, uh, my love of rock and roll from my brother. Right. You know, yeah. more of the old school, you know, types, you know, uh, Right, yeah, that brother roll. who was into the Beatles and the Stones when you were yeah, into New Wave, yeah. but sure, it's exactly. Just, it's yeah. just interesting to me because I, I because I didn't experience that, and and um, you know, it fascinates me a little bit just because I I I can only think of it conceptually, not necessarily mm. uh, reality. Even though there are certain things that that seem like that, but I don't know if Lynch is because Lynch is certainly about the duality, you know. As we've said, yeah, his whole shtick is duality, and I think uh, I think his whole life is duality. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah. and and that's that's really interesting. Um, It it can it's opened up so many things. Mm -hmm. Oh, so anyway, we can continue talking about that, but we got to close out what the episode was happening in the episode. At the end, at the very end, we we go to the Bang Bang Bar for a very familiar type of ending back to the bang bang yeah for a musical yep. uh, performance by rebecca del rio singing no stars a song written yeah. by lynch john neff and rebecca del rio yes i don't know john neff that name seems familiar yeah but i don't know who that is you know, had I done proper research, I would have looked up John Neff. Yeah, no, I didn't even write it down. I did write down that Lynch co-wrote it. Right, yeah. Um, um, the the song that really fascinated me on, on the um, episode was mm-hmm. there's was the kind of adult contemporary jazz music that played when uh, Janie and Janie E and um, uh, Cooper or Dougie uh-huh. are having sex. And then the afterglow, there was a song called um, slow dreams by someone named Johnny jewel. Yeah. I just thought it was. A- yeah. Didn't you, you posted something on Facebook about that. And I was like, yeah, mm-hmm. I looked him up on Wikipedia and he's actually from Houston. And he's also in the band, the chromatics who were the first band that played on twin peaks on the episode two, I think. Oh, that's cool. Huh. Yeah. So he has done several songs and he's in several. He's actually in. He's done two or three. He's kind of one of those people like, I don't know if you know who Ginny Lewis is, but Ginny Lewis is in Rilo Kylie and she's done solo stuff and she's done stuff with other artists. He seems kind of like that, too. He's he's done his solo stuff. He's done stuff with the Chromatics. He's done other bands with other people. Mm-hmm. Um, but that song just really appealed to me. I just thought it was a really pretty song. Um, so I had to look it up on YouTube and, and then looked him up on, um, Wikipedia just to see who that, who he was. So I'm glad you hear more of his stuff. Yeah. I'm glad you posted it because I I didn't, I didn't fully appreciate it during the scene because I was distracted by Janie E bouncing on, uh, 
<laughs> I Dougie. know, while his hands kind of his arms <laughs> flopping up and down, flop around like almost like he's being uh, revived, like a dead fish trying to get revived. Some which I guess is kind of what's going on with Dougie. But <laughs> we hope, jeez, yeah, yeah. Jeez, get you fuck Cooper back into him, please. <laughs> <laughs> Jane, I'm gonna fuck the Cooper right back into you. That's hilarious. Oh That's man, funny. cool. All right, good episode, man. Good yeah. episode. Hell yeah. Good job to you, man. That was awesome. Yeah. And I liked your log lady reading. <laughs> oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah Lotra does a log lady reading. We'll put that in the. Get yes, absolutely. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's cool. All right. Well, um, okay. Yeah, this uh, this is a good one. And, fun, uh, fun yeah, episode. We're, we're like an hour and a half right now, so this should edit pretty quickly. Cool. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Then if um, you know, as you said in previous and well, the last episode, mm-hmm. where we're um, we're not just turning into a Twin Peaks podcast. We've just Mark had some technical difficulties last week, which kept us from recording. And then yep. you know, it, it's summer and hot as fuck, and I don't want to get out of bed and (laughs) (laughs) yeah but hopefully we'll do kind of a jesus mark i have 20 people on the uh people who died list oh i know oh my god so many i mean just this last few days it's like Uh, what the fuck's going on yeah but yeah okay we'll we'll definitely do something later this week where we uh, have a regular episode of um a slippery slope. Yeah, so, that'll be cool. All right. Well, that being said, I'll let our listeners know. Slide in next week for another fabulous episode of A Slippery Slope. Laura is the one. <laughs> <laughs> I knew uh, it. I knew it. Okay. That was fun. Um, oh, we totally forgot to mention that Moby's in the episode too. But oh well. Oh yeah, he was the uh, the guitarist. Rebecca, yeah, Rebecca Del Rio's guitar player for yeah, some reason. I saw that in the credits. Okay, I'll just add it as the after just, show. Just let it be the after show. Okay, sounds All right, good. Man. All right. Hello. Hey, Pete. How you doing? Who is this? You know who it is. Mr. Eddie. Yeah. How you doing, Pete? Okay. You doing okay? That's good, Pete. Look, uh, it's late, Mr. Eddie. I, uh... I'm really glad to know you're doing okay. You sure you're okay? Everything all right? Yeah. I'm really glad to know you're doing good, Pete. Hey, I want you to talk to a friend of mine. We've met before, haven't we? I don't think so. Where is it you think we've met? At your house. Don't you remember? No. No, I don't. In the East, the Far East, when a person is sentenced to death, they're sent to a place where they can't escape. Never knowing when an executioner may step up behind them 
and fire a bullet into the back of their head. What's going on? It's been a pleasure talking to you. Pete, I just wanted to jump on and tell you that I'm really glad you're doing okay.